I'm Rena Striggle. Welcome to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Each of us has an exceptional ability to impact the world. We're here to make the world a better place by living life with awareness and fulfilling our unique purpose. It's time to break through obstacles and fear in order to stop wishing something will happen and start making a courageous life a reality. Your journey starts right now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be speaking with Keegan Johnson. He is the founder of K. Johnson Construction in Des Moines, Iowa. And he's just got a great story about being a young professional who really tapped out pretty early in his career in terms of feeling restless and like he was not being challenged. And that prompted him to take a look at what he could do in terms of stepping out again at a really early age into the market as an entrepreneur. I think you're gonna be really fascinated by his story. I think you're also gonna be really impressed with his ability to articulate how he thought through some of the opportunities and challenges that he was faced with as he began his company and then just excited to hear where he is today and where he is planning to take his company in the next couple of years. So with that, let's bring Keegan on. And again, welcome to A Courage to Break Through. Keegan, good morning. It is so good to see you. And I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. We have got a lot to talk about. A lot has changed in your life over the last year or so. And so I'm going to be really excited to have you share your journey and some of the decisions that you've been making to launch your new company. So rather than me tell the story, I would love to turn it over to you and let you tell the story. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to come on. So pretty much, um, my name is Keegan Johnson. I am 30 years old and was um, decided to start a commercial construction company back in September of 2018, so about a year and a half ago. I In commercial construction, most hire, you have to be around for a number of years before you're considered established and before you can really take on sizable construction jobs. Um, I'd worked for, um, just kind of a quick backstory, I went to Iowa State for construction engineering. Um, I didn't know, really know why at the time, but I, I kind of closed my eyes and picked one. I didn't mind construction, and I was decent at math and science. Um, so kind of through the four years of school, which really helped me sort out whether I like this or not, um, and I was just like everybody else. I, <laughs> I, my family was not in construction. It's not like I had a, um, a, a, a job to go, go to right after school. You know, school was really good. Internships were really good. A lot of hands-on. Um, and said, hey, this is something I can do. So right out of school, um, kind of a side story is me and a buddy. I was like, I like construction, but is there something else I wanted to get into? So me and him started looking into, as, as ironic as this sounds, or as weird as this sound, we started looking into doing shrimp farming in Iowa. And so I was 21 or 22 at the time, and we started looking at all these hog farms, because at that time, hog business was not doing well and they were converting all these hog farms into shrimp farms and so I was running the numbers on it and you know this is a college kid who has very limited information although I'm making these assumptions that are way outside of my experience or my pay grade well no pay grade um, and I was like oh this is something that'll work so long story short I've, I hadn't done any interviews until like 
February of my senior year. And by that time, all my friends in school are like, yeah, we've got a job. We're getting paid 60, 65 grand. We're, we're going to go, go kill it. And I, I'm kind of sitting back there. I'm like, well, I'm just not really sure what I want to do. And so I interviewed with this company out of Des Moines and they are a commercial construction company and they had just started about a year earlier. Um, and they were looking to grow in Des Moines and and they offered me about 10,000 less than, about 20% less than, than starting averages, right? So, but I walked out of that meeting kind of sparked. I'm like, well, hey, look, even though I'm not gonna be getting paid that much, I'm going back to live at home. It's in Des Moines and I can go get some, hopefully get some good experience. And if it doesn't work out, I'm 22 years old, just graduated. I, didn't, I mean, I had a, a little bit above average GPA. So I, I in, my, in my own head, I'm like, I'm very hireable if this does not work out. And it's 2012 things are coming up. It's not like people are laying off. They're hiring at the time. So I was like, the heck with it. So I started with that company. Um, I worked there for the last seven years or, or four, seven years and kind of got some really good experience around Des Moines, was on some really cool renovation, historical renovation projects, kind of you name it, and got some really good exposure. And it kind of just came to the point where it was a glass ceiling for me. I had some really good experiences, but it was like, Hey, what's next? And you know, there was like a year or two where it was like, I can kind of do this in my sleep. I really wasn't challenged. And, and, it, it, and, you know, I, I do feel like my performance kind of went down because I wasn't putting my a hundred percent into it every day. And, you know, there was some conversations with my boss and, and you know, looking back and reflecting, he he was like, "Well, I just haven't had the updates from me." I'm like, "Well, they're all everything's getting taken care of." But I've been doing this now for six or seven six years at the time, and and you know what? I probably wasn't giving them the 120 percent I'd been giving them the previous previous five years, and so it, it just got to that point. I was like, you know what? It's something that I had always kind of shot around with people um, of, "Hey, I'm going to go. I I would like to." you know my buddies and I talked about it but you know my father-in-law and I've talked about it my dad and I had talked about it and it's like well we'll see when it makes sense and it it just kind of kind of kind of everything started clicking right and you started talking about it about starting a construction company and you started being and as soon as I started verbalizing hey and as soon as I started putting it down on paper and as soon as I started telling some people really close to me it all just started, the wheels just started to pick up and it's like, well, okay, if you really want this to happen, you got to execute this stuff. If you really, you know, go into the banks, talking, uh, you know, just talking to people that are really close to you to get their input to say, hey, what am I not looking at here? Doing some self-reflection of, hey, this is a big jump. This is, this is, could be financially insecure. You're going to have to come up with some equity and you're 28 years old and don't have a lot to your name, um, you know, and it's commercial construction. There's a, there's a lot of perception that you have to be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 30, but I only shave twice a week. So it's hard to sell people that I got a bunch of knowledge in construction. And so I was fortunate enough to have um, two people come with me that kind of completed our circle of, of the, the field side. I'm more the office side. And, and, you know, we kind of had this mentality and it wasn't just me. It was the other two people is, you know, we worked out of our basement, my basement for, for three months um, as an office setup. Um, you know, we did pretty much every anything and everything we had to do to get rolling. And, and you know, we're, we're not out of the woods yet, you know, but we've had this good jump and, and 
it's funny because I am not really by nature a business developer person. I'm a, I'm a project manager that likes to show you how we execute, not exactly get, you know, sell you on something. Let me show you versus let me sell you. And so, uh, so yeah, so the last year and a half, we've had, you know, about 30 ish projects ranging in size. And, you know, I've had these, these awesome people that have, have trusted in me to kind of lead the charge, but there's, they're, they're a big part of the equation too, because in construction, you're not a consulting, you're not a one, one man band consulting person. You need to be able to talk to subs, you know, you need to be able to talk to owners, you need to be able to really quarterback a project. And, and it's no different than quarterbacking a project from a, you know, a, a, any sort of project. It all takes negotiate and communication is something that's really came naturally to me. And I think that has probably been what I've brought to the table the most um, from everything is, is I've grown up, I grew up in a household where communication was always talked about and there was really not a subject you didn't, you didn't feel comfortable at least bringing up. And so I, I think that's probably something when you're in commercial construction is you have to be able to relate to all levels and you have to communicate to all levels and you have to change your style of communication. But so yeah, I guess the last year and a half, not to get it in too far in the woods, we've done, had, had some success. And, you know, I, I've always said that my goal is to be the best. My goal is to, and that to me is not the biggest. That's the best. That means that when I go to sleep at night, I know that we've done what we could do. We've controlled what we can control. And the rest is up to, to other part. The rest is out of our control. So um, I think sticking with that mentality when you're going through kind of these big decisions or these big times in your life has maintaining that mentality and doing a constant reminder or self-check, hey, are, am I getting worked up over this for no reason? Or did we really crap the bed on this and we need to take some personal responsibility um, has been kind of an underlying thing that have kind of kept me even keel and, and pushed me to, to go forward. So, yeah. Yeah, I think there's some just amazing things inside of that. I'm going to go back to one of the comments that you made in regards to, you know, when you were employed and you'd been on the job and you knew you weren't giving it your all because you were already bored. <laughs> and I think that that's one thing that, you know, people inside their careers, they're bored. And some really examine that and say, okay, I'm bored. So what should I be doing? And others are like, I'm bored. And I'm just going to kind of sit and be unhappy about it and let that just like take down That's my joy, true. take down yeah. my energy, but I'm going to keep going because maybe I'll get a promotion. So when you realized that you were sort of in that space of bored and not performing at the level that you wanted, maybe not using your energy, like what was the conversations? Because I know you've, you've also got a really young family that comes along inside this story too. So it's not like you're just single and out there taking these big chances you're also married and have two little boys so yeah. you know so talk about how the decision making process to even explore leaving something that was secure it was um my wife and and, and i know a lot of wives is, is my biggest supporter by far she's she's amazing so when, when I talked about it, we had always just, I, and I've always said, hey, if someday this opportunity, and this is laying in bed at 1030 at night, you know, and, and if I've just, you know, there were some years in there where we really, we put in some work and I put in some, you know, long Sundays on site and it's no more than, than anybody else probably would have done. But 
from her perspective and just kind of her the way she, she's like, why are you doing this? You don't understand what kind of opportunity this is for me two to three years down the line. If I can put my name on this project and I'm really the heart and soul of this project or, or that me and my team are, it's, it's a big deal. And I, I said, I, I know that me being gone all day Sunday while you're at home with a six month old, I know that's not ideal. And, and part of me, and probably a lot of small business people say this, it's not, if you're enjoying it, it's not that much work. And, and, and at that time when I was putting in those long hours, I didn't enjoy parts of it, but overall, I had this team on site. We had a $20 million project going. We were just hauling through stuff and we were working through issues. And there's this sense of accomplish, continued accomplishment in this team atmosphere that I hadn't felt since high school sports. And so when we, not to get too off track, so when I'm going home to my wife and having these conversations and then finally when it's like, honey, so this is what I'm really thinking about now. She was, she was all for it. She's like, we'll figure it out. She's, she's a nurse, so she's got a stable job. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. If we're going to screw up now, that's a lot better than screwing up 10 years from now or doing the same thing 10 years from now and being like, God, why didn't I do it 10 years sooner sort of thing. So as much as I think, and she could see the headspace that I was in when I was just not motivated coming home and it was, you know, you just kind of get this, and I'm not a depressive person and I was just kind of depressed and just, you know, there wasn't any excitement to life. And I lived for the weekends where when I first started working, I was living to go to work. Like I, I loved it. So it wasn't a hard, her support made it extremely easy for me. And not everybody is in that situation, but her support made it extremely for me to, to have a peace of mind that she didn't think I was going to sacrifice, um, that we were going to end up in a worse position, or even if we were, she was going to be behind. So a lot of dominoes with starting any small business or doing anything have to fall into place. And once again, it's one of those things, who do you surround yourself with and, and what can you control and, and kind of balancing those things and kind of things fall where they lie in my yeah. So yeah, overall the conversation, as hard as you think it should have been and could have been, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that hard. And, and she challenged me of, have you thought about this? And have you thought about this? And just kind of playing devil's advocate to all my positive energy of, Hey, I'm going to do this and, you know, trying to reel me back in, but still being supportive at the same time. If that, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the planning process too, because I think that's another thing that entrepreneurs sometimes forget to do, right? They're just excited about something and they're like, well, screw that. Let's go do this. And they kind of jump over into this thing and they might not really have created very much structure around that. So as you started to put this idea together and you started to hear things like, you're not old enough, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough equity, you don't have enough cash, you don't have enough experience, you don't, like all that you don't have enough. How did you work through some of that and how daunting was that for you? I think it's more mental game than it is a pen and paper game, at least in my world, uh, or at least in my experience. When I really heard, so what I did is I put a business plan together and this was, and this was, I wanted to, you need, you needed to make sure that I moved, you know, kind of flew under the radar because this is nothing personal vendetta against anybody. This is just for me as a person. And so I, when I went to those banks and said, Hey, here's my experience here's what I have or more here's what I don't have as far as 
in principle <laughs> and, and money goes. But I've got all this great experience. Here's how the jobs turned out. You know, here's what, you know, if you want references to, to whoever, this is what I have. I went to five banks and all five had the exact same, man, we love your energy and we're, we got no doubt you're going to be successful, but 80% of construction companies fail within two years. So thanks for your uh, positive input, but come back to us when you have a lot of money because man, we'll really be interested then. Or if you're had success and you need a line of credit, man, we're, we're your guy. Oh, okay, great. That doesn't mean absolutely zero good right now. So yeah. And, and, and once again, it kind of comes back to surrounding yourself with good people. I went to those five banks. They all said pretty much kick rocks. Um, thanks for your time. And we, you think we're a nice guy, but go ahead and get on down the road. And so, uh, and then, and then my family stepped in, you know, I had some money to put in, but then, then my family stepped in and said, Hey, we'll loan you the money with an interest rate. But you know, this is something we see of value. And, and once again, that goes, that's just dumb luck. I fell into the right, you know, I, and I didn't have to go to any sort of private investing. That was probably my next resource is go to some people I'd worked for in the past and said, Hey, um, but I didn't have to do that. And that would have really kind of handcuffed me. Um, if they had been previous clients and in investing, you know, it would have, whether there was contractual handcuffs or just kind of from a, Hey, I give you money. Now you owe me this, you know, hanging over your head that allowed me not to do that. Um, and, and me, you know, taking or loaning money from my family, it was a loan and they are very much, Hey, you take in that, that, you know, they didn't want any ownership. They didn't want any say, you just go do what you got to do, which speaks to my family. And it speaks to the, probably the trust they had in me to, to, to make this successful, which even more. So I, I think the negative was out there, but the positive kind of was over, was quick to overcome that in my scenario. And that's not everybody's scenario too. You know, you got to remember I'm doing commercial construction and it's 2000, 2017 times you're good. I'm not trying to start this during a recession. So if there's any time to start something like that, yeah, it is right now because prices are escalated and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I think the negative was quickly outweighed, weighed by the positive on my end, or at least, and you know, you got, you'd have those down days, but you still have those down days. Yeah. Hopefully so, those overweight. So. Yeah. So after bank number five and they told you the same message with a smile on their face. Yes. I gave you a little attaboy. We'll see you in a few years if you make yeah. it. So what was your mindset at that point? Like, did that fire you up? Was the rejection, like, did that make you want to do it even more? Or was the rejection starting to make you feel like, wow, did I miss something here? I don't think I ever felt like I missed something, but I did. I think I felt at that time, I think I felt more down than I did fired up because the way Hey, I get fired up is not from somebody telling me no. That doesn't t- telling me somebody I can't do it. That's that's probably and that's that's kind of what they were doing. But that wasn't a, it. Wasn't a direct hit. It was just saying, hey, this is what the numbers say, sort of thing. And yeah, I knew I was going to prove them wrong at some point. But I wasn't. I wasn't too down. I I don't. I, I was down. I wasn't out. And it didn't really fire me up. But it was like, damn. Now I got it. I have to work that extra layer of whatever that is. And at that time I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I was going to make it work. I just, now I got to really rack my brain on what these next steps could be because after the fifth bank, you're like, Oh shit. I thought the, I thought the first one was just 
just bad luck. I thought the second and the third, and, and by the fifth one, I'm like, let me script this out for you because I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. <laughs> After, after you know after you get through your selling point and so um you know you just kind of went through those i don't know stages of grief or stages and then um made it work from, from there so it was just i gotta dig that extra layer and god it's gonna be a pain but let's let's get through it let's keep going so that's really cool so so then your family stepped in worked yes. the deal with you and away yeah. you went Tell me a little bit about how did you leave your employer to become an independent? Like, how did that go? Uh, was that was that, that was the single hardest thing, probably the, one of the toughest days of my life, almost of my life, you know, because these employers that I worked for before, they were friends. They're friends. They had trusted me. And I was put in this position where if I go and tell them, hey, this is what I'm thinking about, or hey, I want ownership in the company that I'm working for now. They're younger guys. They, 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 there's no, there was no business upside to them saying, oh, hey, Keegan, here, here you go. And if they would have, if there would have been, I would have already been approached, right? Because I had been there on the same pretty much plane for the couple, for a couple years. And so, it's, it was this balance between, hey, do you go and be completely upfront? And then now they've really, they really know what you're doing. So then that could completely burn me on my, on my agenda. But you don't want to take business away from them because they've been so good to you. you know? and, and I was a portion. It's not like when I left, they significantly suffered. But um, it, it, I think it wasn't really the money that or whatever. It was the friendship that I had there. And I knew once I once I delivered the message that I needed to deliver, you know, literally words out of my boss's mouth is get out of here. You're kidding. And <laughs> go away. And I'm like, no, dude. And, and I had taken the time and I'd wrote him a letter because I knew at that time I was going to be pretty amped up and high, I'm a highly emotional person anyway. And, and that was, that was really hard. And it was the relationships. It wasn't any sort of the, the monetary. And I knew I knew there'd be some hard feelings that come with it, but you got to think of what, what's best for you in the long haul and you don't want to be selfish about it, but you're, it's also, you got to have your best interest first and, and making that decision and make going that route was, it, it was rough. It, I didn't sleep well for like a week after I had already, it wasn't that I, I, I had the passion to start the business, but I, man, I, I it did, it hung on to me for, for a week and, it's one of those things. It's like any hard relationships, break up with a girlfriend or whatever. You, within time, it, it goes and you go through kind of the stages of, yep, this, you know what? And, and, you know, it was probably six months out. I'm like, you know what? As hard as that was, and I'm glad I had the conversation face to face. And I'm glad at the steps that I took to exit as professionally as I could. I'm glad I did all those things. And I'm really glad I'm at the position that I am now. But at the time, Man, you, and, and, and you're taking steps back in your career, really, initially, to go forward. And I think a lot of people kind of really struggle with that mentality is, hey, you're going to go back a few steps, but that's so you can launch even farther forward. And, and that's not even guaranteed. So, um, yeah, that was, that was tough. That was, but, you know, you do it for a reason. You do it with purpose. And these are two guys that I'm sure came in time that they came to understand my perspective if, if I know them the way I know them. And, you know everybody, everybody turns out okay. So. Yeah, I think, 
I think that's a really key point is that, you know, a lot of times people fail to launch into the thing they feel they should be doing because of loyalty to others and fear of what the, what the other person will be thinking about them. And, you know, what would that do the relationship? And then what does that do to your reputation? And then, you know, on the flip side of that decision, then there's also this tension point, which is I'm really comfortable here and it's fairly secure And not only am I going to potentially kind of put a big crank in this relationship, but now I'm going to be over here all alone and I am losing the security. And am I willing to put myself in that position to do that? And so it's kind of like pulling that rubber band back and you're kind of back here in this tension spot before that rubber band can snap and you really launch into sort of feeling like you're accomplishing and have the pace and the momentum that you're really wanting by right. launching your own company yeah absolutely yeah and just even talking about it because i haven't talked about it in a long time you know it kind of brings back those those same emotions too and, and yeah it's they're they're all there and you kind of go through them each stage pretty intensely as you as you're going through it so um but it, it's all you gotta you gotta keep yourself first and you gotta make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that you can bring up with you and 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 hopefully in the long run, you're, you're happy with, with the decision you've made. Um, yeah, I want to talk just a little bit too about, you know, launching, you know, a business inside of a fairly small business community. You know, Des Moines is big, but it's not, it's small it's too. So it's small. really tiny. Yeah. So everybody knows everybody. And now, you know, you're, you're walking out into the world with a new company that's going to compete with a lot of very big, well-known names. Yes. How did you enter into that business community as a new entity, as a new entrepreneur? Like what Uh, were some of the things you did to kind of make sure that you were stepping in in the right way and coming in in a way that the community would see you as a credible player Yes. and respect what you were trying to do? Talk about how you did that. Well, I, I think we're still in that stage right now. I think I'd be lying to myself if I've said we brought this great name to it. Um, and I think it's a slow process. I think anybody that in Des Moines that tries to push too quick is going to figure out that there's a lot of ties that people are, are personally tied to. Or, and, and luckily, when I separated, um, I was approached by a couple, you know, a few previous clients and said, hey, would you do this, you know, sort of thing. So within, within three or four months, we had plenty of work for that year because there wasn't that many of us, but it's one of those things you got to kind of continue to prove yourself. And, and I'm a big believer in putting the work and the work will show. And so, and I don't, I'm a, I think I told you earlier, I'm not a big believer in just business development, especially on a small business scale. You're not a corporate company that it makes sense to. So, you know, I'm not big on going to, to business development. While I think they're important, I think that our, our success is, is if we can land key projects and execute at a high level, people talk about that in passing. I know I do. I can tell you when I work with an engineering firm and somebody's just impressed me, I, I tell people because I'm a cat. It's so nice when you run into these above and beyond sort of companies and you want to keep using them. And, and I, I think slowly but surely that hopefully we'll kind of, we'll kind of, you know, get a reputation and continue to have a reputation of, Hey, you want to, 
you want guys that cannot work out and, and have your best interest. So it all started with the connections I had made there and the networking that I'd made there. And yeah, did some of those connections like go bye-bye? Like, cause they, they chose their loyalty, which I don't think you need to have either. I think you can have both. I really do. Um, some people don't believe that, but I can tell you that the animosity towards other contractors to me, it's like, we're all out for the same thing. We're all out to provide for our families. We're all out to make a living. So, and you know, for there's other reputable contractors out there. So I think slowly but surely is my approach to uh, creating and maintaining a reputation. Um, if you look at some of the guys that are really well established, that's, that's how they've got there. They've gotten guys, you know, that have worked there for X amount of years. They're really reliable. They execute at a high level. And then you've got some other guys in town that it's like they've tried to push their way into the market and they've almost been pushed out as quickly as they've tried to push in sort of thing. So I, you talked about above and beyond. And yes. I think that we're in a really interesting time in terms of how businesses acquire clients. We like to hide in social media and funnels and, you know, just putting lots of content out in your opinion. Like what are some of the key things that make an experience with a business that above and beyond touch? Like what are some of the things that you feel we're losing in sort of this, you social know, media. social media world? Like what, what are we losing and what do we need to be mindful about? The things that I've seen really connect with people is if they're authentic. I think I try and be really authentic. I know there's times that I'm even, I'm not authentic, but I think if, if just from a personal level, if you show you're authentic and, and to me, that only happens a few times on a project. Cause I think everybody delivers a pretty much the same base level of service. We'll call it 80, 90%. But if you go to the next levels and, and sometimes it's even saying when you screwed up and how you screwed up and how you're going to fix it. And coming clean on that, that shows that you're not perfect. Your firm's not perfect, but we're not perfect. But here's what we did, and here's how we're going to take care of you. Um, there's also things you can go do to, you know, help save them money or help, you know. There's, so there's multiple ways and that you have to go through. But I think showing that authenticity and showing the almost vulnerability, mm -hmm. um, especially as these big contractors in town, almost sell clients and not even that I'm trying to sell them, but almost connect with them on a more of a personal level than some of these, you know, picture perfect Instagram posts and Facebook posts. And, and yeah, you, you do need to have some of that, but having that personal level and vulnerability to say, yeah, this is where I screwed up or to, or to take a situation and really think through it and have a good plan put together and you walk out of that meeting and, and, and you know that client was like, wow, this guy took some time. It wasn't just another project for him. Those two things combined have been big, I think, big successes to what we bring to the table that I don't know if nobody else does, but people, other people are kind of shy away from sh sharing vulnerability, especially in the, the contractor world, so to speak. So, yeah. How has your life balanced out now at this point? You're a year and a half in, you've got clients, you've got good projects. You know, when you were starting, you were just like burning the wick at both ends, Sundays yeah. all day. How, how have you, as you've moved in through these beginning phases of your business, started to create some boundaries or where business lives and where you feel like you can disconnect to still have some of, you know, that quality family time or friend time? 
how has that evolved for you? Um, I probably still struggle with that, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think if a client's got something, it, it, whether it's 10 o'clock at night or whether it's, and it's something that needs to be addressed, I, unfortunately, I'll take that call. I know my, my kids do come first. I, I think there's an appreciation that goes with somebody that's willing to, as long as it's appreciated and it's not expected, but you know, I, I usually try and continue to do it. Now, that being said, um, you know, there, there's been, there's been multiple days, especially in the last six months where it's like, yeah, you know what? I can cut out at five, six o'clock today, go home, spend time with the family, go on a walk, do this. So I think that balance, I will, at least at this point, will need to continue to challenge myself to do because I enjoy work. I really like going to work. And sometimes that just consumes me. And my wife will say that too. And honestly, when I had worked at my previous company, there was probably, and we didn't have any kids luckily at the time, but there was, there was a good couple years in there that I could not let go when I got home if something was going on at work. And at that point, I was, my role was a lot smaller too, right? So you'd think as, as a smaller role, you wouldn't have this much. But I think as I got older, I'm getting better at it. It's still a point of emphasis that I, I got to work on. So yeah. Um, but, you know, if you don't have that, you don't take it home with you. You also are probably losing some of the drive that you need to have, too. So there's kind of two sides of that coin. Yeah. You have definitely been very successful at pulling people to come into your vision and help you create the company that you're creating. Just talk a little bit about that process for you. Like, how did you did you sort of know who you needed to get and then you went and got them or did they come to you? Like talk about putting your team together just a little bit. A lot of it's, they've worked with me before at some level, you know, a lot of, some of it's, you know, I'm sure they get, so, you know, it's no different than me sold on, Hey, we can build this thing. And I a hundred percent believe we can. And they're an instrumental part of it, but I think it's continuing each day to say, you <laughs> you are an instrumental part of that. And X, Y, Z doesn't happen. You know, this is a full circle thing. Finding the people. I mean, some of it's came really naturally and other times like we've had offers out there and they just, they, you know, went to more money, you know, because we don't sell that we can provide a lot of money off the bat. Um, and it's like, if that's their motivation, then that's just not, not my style, you know? Um, let you know let the work show for you I'll reward you but I gotta let you gotta the work's gotta show for you too so I think the people that had previously worked with me knew that that I wasn't just saying that that I truly believed in that and, and would, would execute on top of that so I think that's probably the biggest thing and I, I think as we continue to grow that's somewhere that we will continue to focus on because I think there's a lot of pull to that and it's kind of a an old school mentality in a new school world sort of approach because right now it's, oh, well, how much can you offer me? And, you know, but how real secure is that over time? I want people that are going to want to have, you know, put in hard work, but have the lifestyle to go, you know, the family oriented, do what you want to do successfully outside of the work lifestyle balance, because you can't, you can't be consumed at work. This is important. Trust me, this is important to me as much as anybody, but I realize in order to be effective at work you got to have other things and so let the work show for you and do some balance along the way and that's kind of if that's if that sells you great and if if not then 
you know what, we're, we're probably not the right, and, and more often than not, it does, it, it works, it, you know, people are interested, but there's a lot of people out there that love having a good-sized paycheck, too, for however long it might last, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of my answer. Yeah, talk about, like, just how you, um, you know, it's, it's a brand new company, and sometimes entrepreneurs want to do as much as they can in the beginning because it saves money. You know, they're scared to put people on payroll. They're scared to offer benefits. They, they want to just like, well, let me see how far I can get on my own. And then they get a long way down the road and then it's even more scary to hire. You hired right, almost right off the bat. Yeah. Um, so, what, how did that decision come I, into being for you? So I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I could scale right away. I realized that in commercial construction, you can't be a one-man band. If you're a one-man band, you're a consultant, which is fine, but there's other aspects to it. So I think I realized that if we wanted to do what we wanted to do, I needed to be able to, there, there was more than just me that needed to come right away. And there was more, you know, I bring a certain set of skills to the table, but I don't bring all the skills to the table. So having people with different strengths surrounding me is 100% critical. And, and not only that, but them having the same mentality of we're going to do what we're going to do to get by, you know, I probably couldn't have lucked out any, any more than, than what I have. So yeah, I, I think it, 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 a little bit of, a little bit of both. There's, I got to realize that we need to scale and Hey, I've got these great people that are interested it's on me if I don't take advantage of that. And, you know, entrepreneurs, I guess it, there's a big pile of entrepreneurs that have only entrepreneurs. Well, I kind of went down this, this corporate. So I've had the experience of what, what structure can help, I guess. Mm -hmm. And some people that are just entrepreneurs don't really see how that structure can really help them scale to a, a greater length. So I probably had that benefit too, that I saw what the benefit was before I even had, you know, before I even had the people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's amazing that you intentionally thought, I want to launch and I want to launch really fast, scale as quickly as I can. So in bringing on everybody, how did you, did you sell them into the vision that you had or did you co-create a vision with them? It was probably me saying, hey, I'm thinking about this. And this was like a year before it happened. What are your thoughts? And, you know, you know right away when you say that they either like oh shit i gotta get out of here or like you see the sparkle <laughs> and they're like you're what you're crazy i like it and, and so so it, it did not take much coercing. now there's always this part of you that's saying okay i'm i'm serious but are they serious because it's not like you know we get to the end of this and if they're not they're not with me oh shit i got a whole different set of problems so and so we, uh, I, I don't think there was much, you know, and I would keep them up to date as things were happening so that they felt as much part of this and as they were as I was. And I think there's a big um, point of emphasis on that because I try and continue to do that uh, with the company on, on almost a daily basis. Hey, I had this conversation with so-and-so today, this job could be happening you know, and just being in the know, quote unquote, is, uh, 
is something that's important to people and it, it makes them feel appreciated and it makes them feel part of the team. And, you know, I'm no different. I appreciate that as well. And, you know, a lot of the times when I'm on the front end of jobs, that's kind of the fun part. That's, you know, you know, it's not the back end of the job where you're busting hump to get everything done. And so I think I tried to continue that through starting the company as well as into running the company or um, continuing to try and be a successful company is everybody appreciates being part of the team and knowing I was serious and can, you have to say things, but then you have to continue to execute as well. And you can't stop that saying things and executing. Yeah. You can't execute on everything you say, but you gotta, you gotta pick and choose. And people, if you stop doing that, people are going to stop believing in you too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that really translates into another really interesting thing about your business is that you can go out and do certain things, but you're also really reliant on other companies to participate in your projects. So yeah. you've got a team of people that are part of your company, but then you've also got a whole bunch of subcontractors and subcontractor companies that you actually have to rely on yeah. to actually do the projects. So you know, talk about the mentality that you have in helping them to kind of co-create and collaborate and actually accomplish what you have promised to a client that yeah. you are able to do. So <laughs> how do you manage those relationships when you really don't have very much control over them? It, it, it's, it's true. And then it's not at some level, you do really have control. And I'm not talking from a constructural, from a contract standpoint, I'm talking from a, Hey, if we want to continue to do business together, this X, Y, and Z has to happen. One, I think it goes back to building relationships over time. A lot of the companies I'd worked with previously were more than happy to help me get rolling. Two, it, it comes to you're talking to this client, right? And especially if it's a first meet and greet, you, you walk in, you sit down and you're like, oh, Keegan looks 21 years old. And I get that out of my head right away because once you start talking, they're like, oh, he really does know what he's talking about. And, and I've, I've literally had that conversation on a uh, restaurant renovation. So, so do you think your guys are actually going to be able to do this? Well, I sure, sure hope so. Cause I'm putting my butt on the line. So they better, you know, but you you go to, you know, we have a certain groups of subs. We've created a relationship over time. Um, there is kind of this constant, you scratch my back. I scratch yours. I, Cause I need to get competitive prices out of them in order to get the job. So if everybody's jacking their rates 10 to 15% because well, we're too busy or we don't need it or whatever. So there's a lot of trust that goes in with subs and clients, but that to say, you're going to give me consistent numbers over time. And we know roughly what those numbers should be. So if something doesn't sniff right, we're going to have the conversation of what's going on here, but you need to make sure that you've got enough subs to pull from and you have the relationships with those subs so that I'm not sending them, you know, really pie in the sky projects for them to waste their time on that are never going to go. If I get a project to a sub, the majority of the time, I've already kind of went through the budgeting, preliminary budgeting to say, okay, the money's there, the project's there. Now all we got to do is make the sub numbers align with, with what the budget numbers are. And yeah, you're going to have some bust, but you, I personally have to really challenge myself to make sure those numbers are accurate. Or if I know I'm like, I don't got a good vibe on that one. I got to call somebody up. I got to explain to them, you know, get some, get some further knowledge. So, and it's, it's one of those things you got to use your intuition and your sniff test. If it doesn't sniff right, probably not right. So every, every job's kind of got those challenges, but you got to make sure to keep your subs close um, and you got to make sure to treat them right. 
and, and you figure out which ones are with you and which ones aren't. And unfortunately, some aren't. And you kind of, you're like, okay, well, it's the last time and we'll, we'll move forward in a different direction next time. And being able to make those calls and have those hard conversations, it's kind of just, just part of it. And you got to be ready to do that. Yeah. You just mentioned something really interesting in terms of sort of instinct about when things are right and when things are wrong. And I think that sometimes, especially when you're in the starting stages, you get so sort of almost like anxious to get stuff that sometimes you might actually, you know, sort of dismiss how you're feeling or what your gut is telling you. So how, how much do you allow that to weigh into decisions that you're making? Or do you really try to go more on a, a data like talk about the balance between data decisions and gut decisions. What I do is I have a gut. What I think my natural reaction is, is to have a gut decision and then I'll try and look into the data to see if it backs it up. You know, if something is $10,000 or should be $10,000 and I get a quote for 20, it's like, okay, well, let me try and back into the material and the man hours, which is any sub's going to be like, Oh, you can't do that. Well, at some level you can, depending on what it is, right? There's always those one-offs that you really just can't. So I would say a lot of it's heavy gut, but I never try and act on that gut instinct or make a phone call to, um, or shoot an email without some sort of preliminary data to back that up. Because if you act on your gut, you're going to end up burning bridges that are unintentional. And if somebody is treating you fair and you're just not seeing the clear picture or the facts, you don't, well, I'm not opposed to burning a bridge, but I want to be very sure it's very, very sure it's not a bridge that I'm not going to need or, or just a misunderstanding, a miscommunication along the way. So I think that's probably my natural instinct is gut first. We better double check it by the data and then we see what, what, then what makes sense. And a lot of times when you talk through it, even with my gut, it's like, okay, it's not as, it, it's still bad, but it's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> so. Oh, that's awesome. So what, what is next for you? Like what, what are you, you've made it through the first year and a half, got some great projects under the, your okay. belt now. Like what, what is the vision for the company? Where do you, where are you headed for in the next couple of years? I, I hope, you know, once again, dominoes have to fall into place, but you know, I think we can really solidify our reputation out there is what I'm really hoping for. Kind of grow at a steady pace, I guess, is what I would call it more. And, you know, our goal is to take on the right projects and not every project. Um, and, you know, it's, it's more about the right clients than it is the right projects. Because there's, there's nightmare projects out there that are really big, good-looking projects. But, man, you wouldn't want to be in that building while it was getting built because it was – there's no coordination, there's, you know, X, Y, and Z reason. So I think what I've found through my previous experience that it's all about finding the right projects versus any project. So we, we'll kind of see where that, that takes us. You know, if, if the markets are shifting, we're pretty agile enough to change what we're doing. We've got some great experience. So we're not really honed into one commercial market. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I would say slow and steady growth is really the ideal thing so that we're getting into good deals. And because, you know, in construction, it's big money business and one wrong mistake can really take you out. And, you know, I've, we've seen it from other companies, but so, so you really have to be careful there. It's not like retail sales where you're going to try and do more promoting on Instagram or, you know, 
and you're not going after $100 sales, it's, you know, one or two or five jobs a year can, can make your year. So. so you talked about agility. It sounds like you're really focused on resiliency too, like being aware that the markets do shift. Yes. Right? Whatever you're doing, it's, it's not the forever thing. You're going to have to keep your eyes open. Talk, and you also spoke about doing jobs for the right client. So when you talk about your right client, what are some of the attributes that you, because I think that's really interesting. Usually in the beginning of business, people are like, just bring it out. Like we right. want any client. We just want any kind of person that will pay. And you are already identifying money from the wrong person is not money that you really are interested in. So, so how did you go through the process of sort of identifying the right client for your construction company? The right client for us, you know, they're, they're in, luckily we've had experiences before that have taught us what aren't the right client for us. And, and so you want to, they, they have to be, you have to be the, their best advocate, but they in turn have to rely on you to make the best decision. If that trust level is not there, it's not going to be a successful project. So, and that isn't a one, one time thing. That's a multiple times that you got to prove yourself as a contractor to say, hey, this is what I'm bringing to the table. This is what I see as your best interest. And they have to agree to that. And so it's not in, you know, I like working for demanding clients, clients that know what they want. And, you know, this is this is the money they have for it. And we'll figure out if it works or not. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, high demand or high expectations, that's I love it because that's that those are things that, you know, I push my guys and push myself to do. But now the 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 parallelness needs to align is, okay, are they in my lane and I'm in their lane to both help us get to the same destination to get the project complete and not, oh, how can we, how can we, you know, hinder each other along the way? Mm -hmm. um, that is not the goal. And I, I see that, I've seen that so much from a developer contractor perspective. It's like, oh, well, they're just out to get us. Well, yeah, there, there is that, there is those people out there, those contractors, those developers that are just out, but in Des Moines, you don't really need to do that. You don't need to do that to be successful. I've done it, you know, I've had the past eight years to prove that. And, and so um, that to me is the right client. It's more about a mindset than it is a, a dollars or a, or, or a, how much money you're, you know, how beautiful a building you want to build. Sure, that's a perk, but mm -hmm. that's, not, that's not, that's not. Yeah. So, what has been in this amazing journey that you've been on? What has been your biggest fear? What was the scariest thing you had to overcome to be sitting where you are at today? I think leaving my company that I was with before was a big initial fear, right? So you get past that and then it's like, well, now I got to find jobs because these, these things don't just come knocking at your door and I don't come from a background of sales or business development. So that is outside of my comfort zone. Um, while I feel comfortable talking to people in a one-on-one -on -one scenario, big group of people, not my thing. So the networking element was, was probably and continues to be something that I got to challenge myself with. And then making sure we can land projects, like making sure because if we're not landing projects, we're not getting paid, the, the circle does not get complete if we don't get projects, right? So those are probably my two biggest fears. And I think they're typical. I don't think that's a, I, I don't think I'm a one-off by, by worrying about those things. Um, and once again, they're fears that were kind of outside of my wheelhouse, but that's how you get better. Push yourself. Yeah. 
what has been the most exciting or most rewarding thing about starting your own company? This almost sounds cliche, but seeing the success of people around me as people to grow, um, being able to financially contribute to causes that are close to people's hearts or people that I care about, those two things by far are the most personally rewarding things that I've had the past year and a half. And I've met some great people. Um, I work with some great people and seeing those people grow and continue to challenge themselves because there's no harder thing to do than to look into yourself and be like, yeah, you're right. I screwed this up. I, my mentality is wrong here and do self-evaluation. I think once you start doing it, it comes a little bit more naturally, but, but that's by far is, is, is the most rewarding thing to, to see these people that were, you know, kind of contained in this box before to see like, oh man, their box is getting big. They can do a lot of things. Yeah, that's really awesome. When you think about, you know, just that opportunity to grow and develop others around you, what do you think is the most important thing for you to continue to do to be able to support all of that? Because you were in a role where you tapped out, you got, yeah, you flatlined. And now you've got these amazing people and you see these boxes getting bigger and bigger and they can do a lot of things. So what, what do you feel like is really important for you as sort of the leader of this group of people to continue to do to make sure that they don't flatline inside your company? Right. Well, I, I think that comes, that, that's the, that's a million dollar question, right? So, so if, if, if I can figure out how to continue to challenge them and continue to reward them both, that's really if that's the challenge, I got to figure out to keep these guys going and it challenges me to challenge them. Right. So, and so it starts with, you got to be landing projects, but then we got to think of new ways to think of things and how do we get better? How do we get more efficient? What can we do as a company to expand? Um, Are there markets we're not looking at, you know, and all those are kind of group discussions to say, hey, you know, um, we've each got our part to play here, but in order for, us to grow as a company, we got to start bringing people in under you, you know, an employee to, for you to train them and you to make them grow. Right. Because I know that's rewarding. They haven't had the chance to experience in in that. So to me, it's starting to bring those people in underneath them, you know, to, to, and and that goes with growing more projects. And so, and it's never a, a step by step first do step one, then do step two operation. It's kind of a day by day. And then when the market, is not there like it you know is currently right now then it's like okay do we need to reel back in do we need to sit, sit and be patient so as long as i can continue to challenge them and reward them I, I think we're we will be in a good position and as long as i'm looking out for their best interest as a person not as an employee i don't know i've seen a lot of success with that in other companies and i really respect the business owners small even small business owners that put that first and it, it seems to come back tenfold and I've already seen it to having this, this loyalness or, Hey, we're looking out for your best interest too. It's a, it's a, you scratch my back, I scratch yours approach. So. Yeah. so what would you say would be your advice to someone who's sitting on the fence, knowing that maybe where they're at isn't where they're supposed to be and they have an idea to move over here. What, what would be your advice for people who are, ready to take the plunge, but not quite taking the plunge just yet. I think the two things is you got to 
talk to people close to you. You gotta, you, you gotta get their feedback. The more you start verbalizing, like I said, the more you start verbalizing it and talking about it, putting pen to paper, the more it starts becoming a reality. Don't make this big jump if this big jump's not gonna, if you haven't weighed everything out, right? So I, I'm all about making the jump. You gotta do the right checks and balances before you do it. And now there's nothing that's gonna guarantee everything, right? But if 80% of the time it's gonna work, okay, I'm in, like, let's do it. So I, I would say talk to the people close to you, stick your toe in the water to make sure, take a temperature, is it there, is it not there? Because you're gonna be financially dependent upon this. It's not just this hobby that you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, do in your spare time. This is what's gonna put food on your, fam- you know, on your family's plate. And then, then you just got to go. Then you did, then, then the hard work starts. Then the tough conversations happen, be professional about them, um, be objective about them and then, and then get going, get going. You got to go, you know, it's, there's no time to sit around, challenge yourself and let's go. How do you think this would have changed for you if your family would have been less supportive than what they actually were? Would, would that have given you pause? I say this hesitantly, but I really don't think it would have happened. I really don't think I can't do this on my own. I can't do it from, you know, so um, I think if, if my family truly believed that, that, Hey, or just wasn't supporting it, no matter how I tried to sell it, I don't think I would have done it. Um, I, I didn't, I, I think now strategically my in-laws and, and I don't know if this just works out, but my wife's supportive. But over time, you you try and put this network of people around you, the support group around you, or you should, so that when you do have these ideas, they're they're supportive of them, right? So, and that happens over time because you got to take people out of that circle as hard as it may be if they're not being supportive. And I think strategically over the years, I've either done it on purpose or I've done it just even subconsciously, been like, you know what? they're not bringing a positive environment, a positive supportive environment to me. So I really don't need to be around these people. And I think me knowingly doing that and, and over time, cause it doesn't happen. What, you know, it doesn't happen overnight made it that much easier for when I did get to that point to shift, to be like, you know, what, I've got this awesome support group. I know whether this tanks horribly or it goes well, they're going to, they're going to love me all the same, you know, so yeah, I don't think it would happen if, if if my family and my my friends, you know, there's there's a like anybody would tell you there's a long list of people and that have played, you know, it might be a small but a pretty instrumental part of your life to kind of get you to where you're at. I think that's such an amazing comment to say that you know consciously or subconsciously you've been eliminating people who weren't coming into your life in the right way, so that when the moment was actually there, you had your cabinet is set established. The people that had access to you were giving you, you know, supportive information, even if it maybe wasn't like, yeah, go get it. You know, maybe it was some cautionary tales, some have you thought through this and challenging you to make sure that you didn't miss a blind corner. And yet you probably knew that as they were asking those questions, it wasn't with the intention to derail. It was with the intention to help make sure you succeeded. Right. And you don't want to, and, and, and you see it all the time in business, or at least I did, is you, you see these people, these business owners in some instances surround themselves with people that, yeah, they do. Well, they're employees. Of course, they're going to say yes. You're right in their paycheck. You want to surround your people that really don't have an obligation to say they want to give you the truth. Whether you want to hear it or not, here's the truth. 
And I've got some very, I try and be very honest with people and I've got some very honest people in my life that kind of keeps you even keel. And yeah, does it hurt your feelings sometimes? Yeah, but you're, you're glad they did it, right? I mean, you're, if you would have gone down that road, everybody telling you, yeah, when the back of their mind, they knew, oh man, this guy's going to tank like that. I mean, there's no worse thing, you know? So, um, being honest with yourself and having people that are honest with you, I, I think is very important no matter what, whether you're starting a business or whether you just want to be personally successful, it's important. It, it is. Yeah. It's a key quality. Yeah. That's really great. So last question, last question. So now you are sitting here, we are now in quarantine. Yeah, great. <laughs> great for growing a business. Let me just sit at home all day. Right. Yep. Yeah. So tell me, what are you doing in this time where we're really disrupted to maximize the time that we now have? Because yeah. you know, before we were just all running around, doing our thing, spending a lot of time traveling, and now we've got sort of this compressed time. So what are you and the team doing to utilize the time well? I think it's an evol it's evolving just like the the COVID-19 things evolving our discussions of what should we do evolves you know we went from just being completely honest it's it, it went from oh shit everything's going you know we are done for pack up your bags get your stuff out of okay it wasn't that bad but <laughs> it was it was it was like God, this is this is gonna be terrible you know and so then it went to well, do we go look into different markets? Do we, you know, start flipping houses? Do we start doing this? Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, of course, we were like everybody else as we got caught up on all these things we've been putting off. Now we have no reason to put them off. And so we got caught up on all these miscellaneous items around the office and, you know, all these to-dos um, that we, we always push right to the end of the list. But now, um, and I think we what we've learned or what we're our mentality is let's be patient, which is a very hard thing for somebody like me is to be patient. So whether there, there might not be something to do business wise right now, but what can I be doing with my family? What can I be doing, you know, around the house? What can I be doing on the project to make sure, hey, we've got two projects going right now. We're going to make sure those things are seamless. There should be zero room for error. We should be looking at every little detail. We're making these lists and it's like more of a, this quality control program we've kind of put together to make sure that, you know, cause when we're running a hundred miles an hour, yeah, things get overlooked. It's just the nature of it. Right. So um, that's kind of been our approach is let's buckle down and be really good at the things that we know we can be good at. Let's not let things get overlooked. And if we have extra time, let's go use that to be the better husband to go be you know, to go do something around the house, go be with kids, you know, so those have kind of been our, our strategies of thoughts and kind of our, our take on, on this. And, you know, hopefully we're like anybody else. There's, there's definitely a silver lining to this. We are also hoping that we kind of get out of this sooner rather than later as well. Yeah. Well, Keegan, I just appreciate your time today. This has been a great conversation. Thank you for sharing all your insights. And Absolutely. just sharing a little bit about your company. So excited for your future. And we'll be looking forward to seeing what the next couple of years look like for you and your amazing crew. So thank awesome. you so thanks. much. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. You bet. This is Rena Striggle, and you have been listening to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Please visit my website at renastriggle.com. 
and find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspirational episode where you will hear how real life people just like you have discovered the courage to break through.